Welcome to the Sunday Service Podcast of First Universalist Church, a Unitarian Universalist congregation located in Minneapolis, Minnesota. We are a radically welcoming and progressive religious community, deeply committed to love, justice, spiritual growth, and living out our values in the world. To learn more, visit us online at firstuniversalistchurch.org. Good morning and welcome. I love seeing the, the flow of hellos in the chat box. So welcome to all of you this morning. If you're with us live, of course, you're welcome to say hello in the chat. Let us know where you're joining from. It's always delightful to see where we are gathering from uh, virtually from around the state and the metro area and sometimes the country, even the world. So welcome, welcome, welcome this morning. Um, whether you're brand new or continuing to connect with us or interested in becoming a member, let me share some opportunities. Our newcomers circles. These are circles for people who are pretty new to the church just in the last couple of months and would like to connect with others who are new and journey together with them. Um, we're also offering our pathway to membership class. If membership of First Universalist is something that is speaking to you and calling to you, that is available as well. All of this information is in our order of service. We'll put that link in the chat and you can check out these upcoming opportunities. I also want to share with you this morning that the staff leadership team is aware of Governor Walls, Governor Tim Walls' announcement about the lifting of a variety of COVID restrictions in the coming weeks. And we are considering what this means for First Universalist and for in-person gatherings and much more. Our top priority, as it has been from the beginning, is safety is really protecting those who are most vulnerable and would be most impacted by COVID and being inclusive in everything that we do. So we'll keep you posted on what's next as we take in this new information. Once again, I wanna say welcome. Welcome to all of you joining us and welcome to those of you listening later to the service on YouTube or the podcast. We're really glad to be uh, together with you, this virtual community on this Sunday morning. So let's begin our time together as we do with a shared breath, with the chance to let our spirits maybe catch up with our bodies, to take some deep breaths, to settle into this space and this moment together, to settle our nervous systems and to know that there is a shared breath we share across time and space. Family Ministries and I'm here in a very special spot in South Minneapolis. I'm on the edge of Powderhorn Lake which is just melting a little bit now and I'm at a spot that has always been special to me but I'm standing in particular here right now um, at a place where many of our city council members and black indigenous and leaders of color in our community talked with us all this last summer about um, imagining what our community might look like if we abolished policing as we know it. 
So this is a place where there's been a lot of important imagining um, and ideas shared that might birth something brand new in this place that I am longing for. And I know many of us are. There's so much that we are longing for right now in this time. We're longing for also the end of this pandemic time and maybe we're beginning to be at a place where we can imagine and see that from here too. And as we move into this time where some of these things might might change, where new seeds might take root and grow, it's such an important time for us to reflect on what we've been through and to be really intentional about how we move forward. Now, another thing about Powderhorn Lake that is really sacred to me is just um, how it is a bit of nature in the middle of our city. And I have often come here as a place to feel my connection with nature. I love the winter when the lake is frozen. Do you, like me, love to go walking on a frozen lake? If you are able to do that, man, it is a place uh, where I feel really connected to my place in the world, particularly down here in this bowl of Powderhorn Park where the lake is often the same color as the sky. When I'm walking on it, I can just feel myself part of this natural world. I can feel my place in it. And then there is something that happens here that's going to happen here very soon that I wish were um, a holiday. In fact, for me, it kind of is a holiday. And it is this day when the baby birds will start hatching out. Not just any baby birds, but right now there are geese and ducks making their nests and laying their eggs along the edge of this lake. And before you know it, this place will be swarmed with all these baby birds. And not just any baby birds, in particular, uh, the baby birds that I await the arrival of are the goslings because they are, oh, they are so dear in their little gray fluffiness. And they have these little black leathery legs and webbed feet and they are just, they are just a thing of beauty and promise and delight. And when I see them, I just want to get close to them. I want to tell you about, in fact, a little prayer that I made up, a way of praying that I made up inspired by these baby geese. Uh, because it turns out that if you try to get close to a baby goose, a grown-up goose is going to tell you that that is not something you ought to do. They're going to come towards you, they're going to hiss at you, and those babies are going to go hop in the lake. It's not going to happen, my friends. One time when I was down here and that impulse to get closer to a baby goose was taking over my body. I found myself doing this, doing this motion. And this, I realized, is a way of praying. It's my way of imagining that I am able to express my affection and care for a little baby goose. And in fact, I then generalized this prayer. This is a prayer that I use when I see anything or anyone that I am not able to be as close to as I want to be, but I want to allow myself to soak in that feeling of my affection and send my care to them. I've been doing a lot of that this year when I've been having to be away from people that I love. I bet that's true for you too. So will you join me when you notice something that you want to nurture in the world? 
something that makes you feel a sense of gratitude and connection to all life and a sense of the potential and longing for what is coming. Would you join me in that prayer? Good to be held in that space together. It's good to be held as we hold and think about what has happened this past year, and it is so much that has happened, so much that has unfolded. And the question this morning on this one year anniversary of the pandemic is how do we make sense of it? How do we make sense of what has happened this past year? How do we measure what this year has meant? The hit song from Rent, and I know many of you know this song, the hit song from Rent, Seasons of Love, invites us to measure a year in love. And that is absolutely one measure of a year. But this past year has been full and complicated. There has been grief and fear and loss and struggle with mental health. There has been ongoing state-sanctioned violence, including the murder of George Floyd. And for many of us, there has been this deep and ongoing reevaluation of our lives and our living. That has been a part of this last year. This past year has included new rituals and new recipes and the harsh reality that the pandemic hasn't impacted everyone the same way. That's been a part of this year as well. This past year has also included the death of loved ones, of friends and family. Those are some of the ways we've measured this year. And we're not through the pandemic yet. We're not through this season yet, even as the governor has announced plans to lift many restrictions on gatherings and events we're not through it, but it is a year. It has been a year and we wanna mark this moment. And so to begin my message this morning, I, I wanted to share a slideshow with you all and I'll be narrating the slideshow so that those who um, are joining us by phone or who can't see the screen, they can still participate in this part of our service. We asked you um, a couple of weeks ago, many of you to share written reflections or notes or photos or little videos. And so many of you responded. And I wanna say thank you to those of you who shared your reflections, your recollections of this past year. So often you shared vulnerable, powerful, really raw truth and experiences with us. We weren't able to include everything, but our hope is that in ways large and small, all of you will see part of your experience reflected here. 
And I also want to say before we watch this slideshow that it is a lot to take in. It is a lot to take in. So take good care of yourselves. If you need to uh, step away as you watch this or turn the volume down, you are welcome to do that. If you need to close your eyes, you're welcome to do that. This is a lot. It has been a heavy year in many ways. And I trust as we mark this year and watch this video, you will do what you need to do to take good care of yourself. So let's watch that now. March 2020. One year ago, worship, worship went all virtual. And the physically distanced staff gathered to record in the sanctuary. So much was canceled. We all scrambled to adjust. But love was not canceled, nor was church. And staff prepared supplies for at-home church. And church programming moved online. I celebrated my 24th birthday. April. 2020. Some of us experienced unexpected blossoming in this time. The church tried to connect by phone with as many people as possible to check in. And we got creative. Excuse me, we lost our jobs and we got creative with how we celebrated Passover. Friends and loved ones were getting sick. Meals from church meant a lot. May 2020. Love wasn't canceled. Even in the pandemic, we were getting married. I graduated from adjustment to blindness training. We lost loved ones. Grieving alone was hard. Black, indigenous, and people of color were disproportionately impacted by COVID. No in-person graduations, testing positive for COVID, learning how to be in this together. George, Floyd died under the knee of Derek Chauvin. We mobilized supplies, connected with neighbors, and protested police brutality. For all the times I allowed my privilege to not see the knee on your neck, I am sorry. Minneapolis became the epicenter of a worldwide racial justice uprising. Peaceful protesters faced militarized police. I will not learn your hate. June. 2020. Many buildings remained boarded up. So many anniversaries, gatherings, celebrations were canceled or modified. And we said a good goodbye to Reverend Ruth. July 2020. Birthdays are still happening. Babies are still being born. Extended families are gathering outside and the church renovation continued. August, 2020. Gardening sustained many of us, beans, tomatoes, fresh herbs. We made difficult decisions about whether to attend outdoor gatherings. We struggled to pay for housing. Some in-person school resumed, but it was complicated. September 2020. For many of us, nature was a calm and healing space. 
and loved ones continued to die, not always from COVID, but often alone. Election stress began early. And the church building remained empty as the remodeling continued. Our mental health Sunday candlelighting ritual moved outdoors. October 2020. So many people involved in the election. And we blessed Reverend Arif Mamdani at his online ordination. Many of us were overwhelmed, juggling so much. And some of us found new things to do, including jigsaw puzzles. November 2020. Election stress continues. Winter isolation as COVID cases spike again. Some of us made Thanksgiving pies, but had no one to share them with. It's stressful to be an immunocompromised person. December 2020, 40th annual winter solstice, home edition. Christmas gatherings via Zoom. Beloved parents and assisted living. January 2021, family starts getting vaccinated. The vaccinations begin. Skiing across the day Makaska. The horror of watching coverage from the Capitol on January 6th. Struggling with mental health. February 2021. The Elders Legacy Circle meets via Zoom. Pets and pandemic pet adoptions help ease the loneliness. March 2021. It's been a long time since we've hugged friends, sung in church, been together. Mm, that is a lot to take in, isn't it? I'm feeling that now, just narrating it, thinking back through the year and just all that this year has held. So I wanna pause for a moment and just have a breath. just to have a breath with you, to know we are breathing together, holding this space and holding one another. It is a lot to take in. And today we are marking one year of this reality, this pandemic. And I want, I want to say on the front end that, on the front end of this message that uh, as a faith community, we're not we're not the Star Tribune or Time Magazine or the Wall Street Journal or the Atlantic Monthly or some other publication like that. We're not looking at this past year through the lens of a reporter or a historian. We're a religious community. We're a people of faith. And so we're holding this year through that lens. This past year is not just about 
what has happened to us and where we were when it happened, though that is important and those things do matter a lot. But the question I want to hold this morning is a larger one. It's a bigger one. Certainly, how do we make sense of this year individually? That's important. How do we make sense of this year individually as people of faith? That is important. But the question for me is how do we make sense of this year collectively as First Universalist Church? And the caveat, of course, is that we're not through the pandemic yet. We're not through the trial of Derek Chauvin the, and that question around police abolition. That is still a live question so much. We are right in the middle of it. And sometimes we don't know what an experience means until we're on the other side or have some distance from it. But nonetheless, I do want to reflect with you this morning on what this year means to us collectively as a faith community. And before I jump into that, I think it's really helpful to remember that religion at its heart, that the thread in all religious traditions really at, at the core is about answering the question, what do we do with this window of time that we have, this window of time between our birth and our death? How do we live and give and receive love knowing that we will one day die? Religion is a response to that question. So it is through that religious lens that I really want to examine this intense year of pandemic life and ask, how do we measure this year? What have we learned about living and giving and receiving love? How do we measure this year? One measure of this year, one measure of this year is loneliness, isn't it? a sense of disconnection, of separation, of isolation. And by the way, disconnection and isolation and separation, those are deeply religious feelings. Religion is about reconnecting with the whole, being bound back up again with the whole. It is experiencing a unity, moving from a place of isolation or separation to a sense of unity, whether that's unity in community or unity with God. Religion cares deeply about separation and disconnection and isolation. But that's a measure of this year. So many of us have felt disconnected and isolated and lonely. And I'm thinking of those of you right now, those of you who have lost a loved one this past year during this pandemic time, a spouse or a friend, a sibling, someone dear to you, a grandparent, and you haven't been able to gather, to memorialize your loved one, to grieve and to be with others who are grieving, to let your body be held in the embrace of those who can hold your grief and sorrow. One measure of this year is loneliness. I'm thinking of those of you with health challenges, significant surgeries, cancer treatments, health concerns and hospitalizations, immunocompromised bodies, those of you who have navigated this time and those challenges mostly alone. Yes, there are phone calls and Zoom chats and text messages, but you missed the living, breathing bodies, the physical presence and support that we need in the scariest and most difficult moments of our lives. One measure of this year is loneliness. Some of you had babies this year and grandparents, family and friends couldn't visit to share in your joy, couldn't celebrate with you in person, couldn't help or offer support in the same ways. This past year, so many of us have been through big events alone 
in a way we haven't experienced before. And so many of us have longed to give and to share human touch and connection and presence. And so we've adapted. And from our homes, we have sent love and care radiating out to so many, to members of this faith community. And in those moments of loneliness, perhaps we have received and felt that love and care. I love the story that Lauren shared with us about the goslings and this prayer of, of stroking your own hand, imagining the thing you wish to love and reach for and hold, but you can't quite. And so there's this meditative prayerful act. I love the story because it points to that deep desire to reach out, to hold, to love, to stroke, to care for another being. Over this year, we've longed for connection, for touch. We've yearned to give that to one another. And this is one of the paradoxes of the past year for us as a faith community. Even as we've been worshiping alone, at home, on our devices, listening in by phone, and have perhaps felt more alone and more isolated than ever before, I think, I think we've also felt the power of this community and have felt less alone at the same time. It's a paradoxical place. Somehow, as a community, we found ways to offer that baby goose prayer to one another. What do I mean exactly? Well, once the brick and mortar church building closed, we were forced to get creative about church and what church is and where church is and how we do church and how we pray and care for one another when we're not physically together. And so in worship, in Wednesday and Sunday services and in small groups too, my experience is that something remarkable began to happen. I think the most obvious example is the new way we pray together and the way that we use the chat box. What I have witnessed, and I saw it today, what I have witnessed Sunday after Sunday is this deeply intimate sharing in the chat box. The things that are shared in the chat box are the things I think that orbit closest to our hearts. What's shared in the chat is so often the most tender and real things that life brings. It is struggles and grief. It is depression. It is our mental health worries. It is reaching out and naming our prayers for those who are struggling. It is losses and joys and gratitudes. It is our own wrestling around justice issues and for white folks wrestling with their white identity and what it means to dismantle white supremacy. All of that, it is real in the chat box. And the way we used to pray on Sunday morning the way we used to pray on Sunday morning in the physical building before the pandemic was so different. We didn't know the fullness of what the community was holding. Zoom Church has allowed dozens and dozens of us to name and share what's on our heart. And it allows all of us, the body of the congregation, to hold one another in real time. It's beautiful. It's, it's profound. It, it, it's our faith alive in deeper ways, I think, because we're on Zoom church. Like, it's mind-blowing. It's paradoxical. I love this thing we do in the chat with the parentheses around someone's name. 
at first I was like, what is going on? And I was like, oh, it's the embrace. It's this, it's the holding. It's, I see you, we see you, we're holding you. We're sending you our love and our care. We're with you. I think our prayer life is richer now than it was pre-pandemic. We are praying in newer and deeper and more intimate ways together. We're alone, but we're more connected. And it really matters, this way we are together, this prayer life we've built together. I've heard from you how meaningful it has been being in Zoom church from the hospital after the birth of your child or preparing for surgery and then being named in the prayer and having so many people respond with love and care in the chat in real time. It was as if spirit was whispering, beloved, you're not alone. Are with you. And even as we've been worshiping alone, we are learning how to be more inclusive. We're not perfect at this, but we are learning how to be more inclusive as people have been joining us on Zoom from all around the country. And they've been able to be a part of this community. We've The walls have sort of fallen away from the church, and that just wasn't possible before. So our understanding of church has changed. Though many of you will soon, I don't know when, but in the coming months, this year probably, will return to 3400 DuPont, to the physical church building. We now know in our bones that church is more than a building. Church is more than a minister even. I will leave in June and the heart and the love and the care of this church will still beat strongly. We are a new and renewed and different faith community than we were pre-pandemic. We are leaning into what a multi-generational, multicultural, multiracial, beloved community looks and feels like. It's a community of communities, a community of parents with young children connecting on Zoom. It's a community with vibrant elders sharing their legacy stories and lives with one another. It's a community with a grief group holding one another as they travel the terrain of grief. It's a disability group advocating for ways that our faith community can be more inclusive and accessible. It's groups of congregants exploring what it means to reimagine public safety, exploring what defunding the police really could look like, exploring what real and lasting community safety might be. In this heartbreaking year, in this country alone, we have lost over 500,000 loved ones, siblings, parents, grandparents, friends, co-workers, beloveds. We have lost over half a million lives to COVID. And in this year, our lives have been stretched in ways that we never anticipated. And also in this year, something remarkable has happened to us as a faith community. I saw it in the early days of the pandemic when I, was, when I was away, when I was on sabbatical, when I was tuning in for these worship services with you. And I see it and I feel it now. There is a clarity of mission and purpose and it is shining through all that we are doing. We know in our bones what we're about and there's no turning back. We are here to draw the circle of welcome ever wider we are here to care for one another, 
And we are here to dismantle white supremacy culture and build beloved community. We are here to pray in new ways, to imagine new expressions of church and new ways of belonging and new ways of justice making. I love this gesture. It holds so much about what we have done this year. And friends, despite the loneliness and the isolation and the heartbreak, and that is real of this past year, we know now in a different and deeper way who we are as First Universalist Church. We know who we are. We know we are our grandparents' prayers and their dreamings. We know we are the breath of our ancestors, those who have come before, whose spirit and light and love we carry now. We know who we are and what we're called to do and who we're called to be. And we know we're not alone. Amen and blessed be. Thanks for listening to this podcast from First Universalist Church of Minneapolis. We're a faith community committed to racial justice, and together we give, receive, and grow in the universalist spirit of love and hope. To learn more about who we are and our ministry, please visit us online at firstuniversalistchurch.org.